Subscribe on iTunes at Toddcast Podcast. We have David Gogo on the on the podcast right now. I wonder, a guy like you, would you be able to do something where you could almost do uh, like a lot of musicians are doing the live in home uh, shows and that kind of thing? Could you do that and maybe do a Patreon account or something like that, where people could pay you in lieu of seeing you in a live setting? I wonder if that would work. Well, I've already done it. Um, I did it last Friday. I did a, um, it was real short notice. It was like 48 hour turnaround, okay. which kind of scared me because I didn't know if we'd have time to promote it properly. But um, mm-hmm. there's a there's a venue in Vancouver Island called the Duncan Showroom. And I've played there, you know, a million times. And I know that they've got a five camera set up and they already do um, a live stream. So whenever you do a gig there, there's the option of people from out of town checking out the live stream. So we did that on Friday, uh, but the big thing was, please, please, please donate, because my tour had just been canceled. I was supposed to be playing in Ontario that night. Right. And in fact, today I was supposed to be in the Caribbean, if you oh, believe wow. that. Wow. I was supposed to be doing a weekend gig in uh, Rivertown down near Honduras. So, um, anyways, we, we did it, and we, we pumped it up through social media. Yeah. And, and and we did we did well. I mean, I, I didn't have my band; it was just a solo show. But I do lots of solo shows, and it was cool because a lot of people <clears throat> sent in, you know, pictures of where they were watching because it was a, a oh, an audio audio and visual. So we we had people from all over the country sending in pictures. Some people on a hike and they stopped in the middle of their hike, hmm. watching the phone. You know, people <laughs> in Saskatoon with their toddlers jumping around with ukuleles. You know, yeah. That was great, but I don't know how sustainable that is. Because, yeah, probably not. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's, it's kind of a it's it's a it's a novelty right now. You know, maybe that's not the right word, but it is kind of a novelty right now. And 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 I don't know how how long you can keep doing it, and how long people um, can support it, especially people that are all you know they're struggling on their own, right? Right. Yeah, crazy times, man. Crazy times. But I, I just figured I'd better jump on it as quick as I could before the market gets inundated, you know? Yeah, good call. <laughs> well, uh, best of luck, man. What a what a crazy thing to look at in the future for you. Wow. Well, I've been, I've been in the business for a long time, you know? And I've had ups and downs in my career, so I've learned how to be adaptable, and I've learned, uh, you know, just, you know, to struggle through the tough times, but... The bummer is, is I was really proud of myself for booking so many shows in, in May and June and everything and coming to the summer. And, right. and now that might be all up in the air. You know, it's, uh, it's scary. Well, I think it was, where was that that I read today that they think that they have uh, the vaccine ready to go? Uh, there, there was a place in Montreal a couple of days ago that had said that. And then I think today, where was that? It was not here. It was on the other side of the world. But... Regardless, we're close. I think we're close. It's one of those mm-hmm. like you know, weighted outs. But the weighted outs, we're, we're two, three, four months away. Best case scenario, which is scary. Yeah. That's a scary thing. Yeah. Like I don't think my yeah. kids are going back to school anytime soon. It's not till September now. I've heard that. Yeah. Yeah, David. Let's let's go back to the beginning. This is before you're in any bands. Before you're playing music on your own. What's the music in the Go Go House as a kid growing up? What are your parents playing you and stuff? Well, it's funny. I, I come from a very musical family. I have a lot of cousins that play music, and, and they've been successful at that. But we never really saw each other that much when we were young. Hmm. Um, and but my immediate family, like my mom and dad, and stuff, like none of them play an instrument. But music was very strong in the house. Um, <clears throat> my dad 
had a lot of cool records, and he played them really loud. That was the other thing I remember. <laughs> like, like he, he cranked them, you know, and the neighbors would get pissed off. But nice. I, I dug it. But it was everything from CCR and Hank Williams. But he had some blues records in there, too. He had some B.B. King and Can Heat. Um, I remember Taj Mahal mm. and, um, and, and Otis Redding. So that's some really cool stuff, man. It is cool stuff. Yeah. Like, it's definitely not stuff that uh, you would think a kid would gravitate towards but do you, do you think that it like how much do you credit your dad and the collection of music that he was playing how much do you credit him pushing you down the road you went down well it didn't really push it to me it was just in my brain and then when i was a kid like like five or six years old i, I really um dog elvis man you know like, like i saw elvis on tv and he was still alive man, just barely right. you know yeah, yeah and um but i dug it and then i got into the british bands the british 60s rock bands but then I realized, when I'm listening to the Beatles and the Kinks and the Rolling Stones and the Who, I, I, all of a sudden I, I realized, hold on, I can kind of hear some of that blues music in there. Sure, big time. So then, so then I started going back to the blues records. So it was, it was an interesting um, education, for sure. Mm. Would you say that Elvis is the first to really grab a hold of you then? or? Absolutely, yeah. But the funny thing was, I never wanted to be a singer because of Elvis. I wanted to be a guitar player. Because the Elvis I saw, like with you know, especially younger Elvis, he always had a guitar on him. Right. And I was more excited about playing the guitar than than singing. You know, and obviously Elvis was much more of a singer than a guitar player. But it just it's just that visual, I think. Mm-hmm. And over the years, you've had the. Uh, I mean, there's so many best guitarist nominations. You've won a couple times as well. Uh, early influences, like who helped you down that path? And I know that you spent some time with Stevie Ray Vaughan. How much did he play a role into what you're doing today? Well, he kind of brought it together um, for me as a focus to, to realize what I wanted to do. Because um, when I was, you know, first time to play in bands at like 14, 13, 14 years old, I was really kind of a blues-based player. And a lot of these guys didn't even, they just had no idea what the blues was, you know? Mm-hmm. So we, we played a mixture of kind of, you know, but was a lot of this, once again, the sixties rock stuff. But when Stevie came out, I'm like, Oh, that's it. That's what I want to do. You know? Mm-hmm. And he was kind of like a, a, the, the real, you know, kind of brought the blues back alive. And I was lucky enough to, um, to meet him when I was 15 and, um, and hang out with him several times before he passed away. So that, yeah, it was a real catalyst, you know, and, and he was a real super nice guy as well. And was really encouraging. And at 15, like that had to be such a huge meeting for you. It was. And and if I may plug myself here, I just started a podcast myself. Oh, you did? And Great. What's yeah, it yeah. It's called the David Gogo. It's called the Soul Bender Podcast. And, and we're only two episodes deep. Okay. But the first episode, I just talk about all my times hanging out with Stevie. Like, you know, when I first met him when I was 15 and sleeping on his hotel room floor in Victoria, you know, it's just, it's just ridiculous, but yeah. he was just, just a super nice guy because he understood where I was coming from. He, you know, as much as he worshipped Jimi Hendrix and Albert King and all those guys, all of a sudden, this 15-year-old kid shows up and I had a hat like his and everything else. He just kind of looked at me, oh, wow, <laughs> yeah. I'm on the other side now. <laughs> no kidding, right? And uh, what was your first concert that you attended? How old were you? I was pretty young. I thought it was Johnny Cash. Oh, wow. Yeah, my mom and dad, we, we went over to uh, Vancouver from Nanaimo. Uh, I believe it was the P&E Agridome. And, yeah, Johnny Cash. Wow. And how old were you for that? 
I was probably like nine or ten years old, mm-hmm. I guess. Pretty young. And, and then, and then it bit me. You know, like like I was, uh, you know, anytime anyone was playing in Nanaimo, I was trying to see them. I didn't, I didn't really care what the genre was. I just wanted to go see live music. Mm-hmm. And how old were you when you started to play guitar? Then, just a, a wee wee baby. I mean, oh, I, nice. I wanted to play okay. guitar. Yeah, like like my my parents. I remember them trying to buy me a guitar when I was about five, and it was too big for me to like. If I sat down and had it on my lap. The guitar was too big for me to see over it, <laughs> so, so, so <laughs> nice. they bought me a little ukulele just to kind of placate my yeah. desire. Although I never, you know, learned how to play uh, proper <laughs> ukulele. It was just, but with something to hold, just you know? size wise. Yeah, <laughs> David, I'm looking through your discography right now. Uh, last record was 2015, uh, Vicksburg Call. Are you working on new material? What's going on there? Actually, I've got one album since then, an album called uh, 17 Vultures that came out. Um, about a year and a half, two, well, probably closer to two years ago now. Okay, okay. So, 17 Vultures. Yeah. So it seems that you are still continuing with the new music. I was going to kind of give you a rough ride. Yeah, the last record I'm, I'm really happy with, 17 Vultures came out, yeah, it's probably about a year and a half ago. Okay. Um, and Pat Stewart plays drums, and then a guy oh, named Ben Dwyer. Well, it, it was an interesting combination. Had Pat on drums, and then... Ben Dwyer on bass. Why do I know that name? Why do I know that? Well, name? his dad is Phil Dwyer, and Phil Dwyer is, a, is like a musical genius, jazz sax player and piano player. Mm. And the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. And I've heard Ben really? play upright bass, and so he's kind of the, the, those are the main guys on it. But it's 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 a really cool album. It's it's very kind of um, it's 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 I don't want to say bare bones, but you know it's it's, it's almost like a power trio for it, through, through most of it. Mm-hmm. We play. There's a couple of acoustic tracks, um, but it was it's, it's it's probably my favorite record I've made so far. So you know wow. that's number fifteen. <laughs> yeah, and fifteen albums in. Does it get easier to write uh, over the years, or? Well, yes and no. I mean, I think I've become better at, at learning how to be a songwriter. Yeah. But after all this time, you know, and you're trying to remain specific to a genre, that um, can be a challenge, but. You know, it, it, it's fun. I think, you know, I'm kind of lucky that I chose the music or the music chose me, the, the, the style of music I play, mm-hmm. that you get better with age. Yeah, like, certainly blues, like, for sure. Yeah, with blues and blues rock, you know, the more you live, the more yeah. you learn, and you can, you know, write about those experiences. What do you think is the toughest about writing blues music? Well, just, um, I've never been a blues purist, you know, like, I, I, don't, I don't mind... Um, you know, stepping over the line sometimes, but you don't want to be—you don't want to alienate the the, the the blues fans, you know. But so, so to remain within that genre can be a, a little limiting, perhaps, because you know there's only a certain amount of, of, of chords and stuff that people are wanting to get into. Mm-hmm. But I, but it's, but I think that being said, you can expand it. You can expand the genre somewhat, um, and I think that's the way the, the music has to. Um, move ahead is you have to you know get younger people interested and uh keep it exciting yeah and i think that's uh back to where you're saying you know you got bit by seeing johnny cash i think that's kind of where that's where it lies like if you can get somebody at an early age to see something live and then it's all about that at that point you've got them hooked and you got yeah. a fan for life really yeah yeah and that happened the other day like i said when, when i did that um the live stream concert, you know, and, yeah. a, and a guy from Saskatoon sent in a picture of his toddler son running around his diapers, stomping his feet with a, with a <laughs> ukulele, watching me play my live stream. That's encouraging. Uh, totally is the best, right? Yeah. 
I'd, I'd mentioned the uh, best guitarist nominations. You've won a couple um, over the years. I noticed on your Instagram page, Juno Loser, <laughs> you put, which is funny. You know which, which is funny. I have five losses and one disqualification. You have a dust. When it, how, did, but, how did you get a disqualification? Well, it's so crazy. I mean, and, 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 and the five losses, could you imagine sitting there five different times and having to clap your hands and pretend you're not pissed off? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the disqualification was just some silly technicality, and um, but we kind of turned it around. We did a spin doctor thing, and and just um, got the most publicity we could out of it because sure. you know they told us we were nominated, and so, so we turn around and you know we book a showcase, we book our plane tickets. There was an Edmonton that year, and then we're told, oh no, no, actually you're not nominated. So <laughs> we tried to make the best out of it, and I. At the, at the time, we did so well with the spin doctor maneuver. I thought, oh, God, I'll never be nominated again. But mm. uh, I have, like, probably three times since. So maybe they're just doing that to torture me. I don't know. Right. It must feel good just to get the nomination in general, though, right? Well, absolutely. You know, sure. because, you know, when, you, when you've been at it for as long as I have, it validates things, you know, and it makes you feel like, yeah, we're, you know, I'm, I'm still achieving things. I'm, I'm still being recognized. Yeah. And, you know, and, 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 you know, my first nomination was probably in probably 94, and the last one was probably about four years ago. So you think, at least I know where all the good parties are. Right. You stretched 30 years of nominations, man. That's pretty impressive. It's crazy. It's pretty it's crazy. impressive, yeah. All right, David, let's get outside of music for a sec. Uh, and, of course, what you're known for seems to be the time to binge watch right now. What's grabbing your attention for binge watching right now? Well, I went down a YouTube uh, rabbit hole because I was just kind of like having a couple persons last night and kind of depressed later than falling apart. But it was was music, once again, you know. So I, I, um, what did I start with? I'm trying to remember where I started. But ended up um, going to Alejandro Escoveda, the Chuck Prophet. It was kind of funny, like everything was kind of linked. Oh, I started started with Van Morrison with the Chieftain. So I was trying to get that. Oh, nice. Yeah, like, like when Van... He he gets that he gets a blues thing out of the Irish music, right? And and that went to Richard Thompson, then to Richard and Linda Thompson, and somehow Alejandro Escovedo, and then to Chuck Prophet. So, yeah, that took a couple hours. <laughs> yeah, that kind of gets to be a bit of a slippery slope, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, yeah. Are you a big sports guy? Are you? Is it killing you to not be able to watch the Canucks? I'm a big hockey fan, but I, I'm a, I'm a Habs boy. Oh yeah, okay, um, and. Yeah, that's the other thing. I bought the I bought the goddamn NHL Central Ice package. Yeah, right. I did. <laughs> it's like what? <laughs> you know, is there any refunds coming from that or what? I don't know. I think there must be. Yeah. There has to be something coming. Yeah, but I'm yeah, just I'm just a, I'm just I'm just a hockey fan in general. Yeah, so. same. I mean, yeah. ultimately, it, once the Canucks are out, if they're going for the for the cup and they're in the playoff run, once they're gone, I, and I just wanted to be a Canadian team, and and it doesn't, you know, there are a lot of people are, are like, well, you know, there's more Canadians on whatever the L.A. Kings or whatever the team is. It's like, well, no, I want it to be a Canadian city yeah. team, though. You know, it's been too. Well, long. I have had a bit of a connection with the Canucks over the years, just because I live out here. So I've done a couple charity things. Um, uh, a year or so ago, I, I, they flew me up to do the um, Canucks um, Autism Network fundraiser. In fact, I've done two of those. Okay, so it's cool. You know, we get to hang out with Kirk McLean and yeah. you know, have a, have a drink with him and hang out. He's a beauty, right? music fan. Well, yeah. He is a beauty. He is a beauty, man. He came by the studio uh, a couple of years back. And I bet you after we, we did, you know, I was like, dude, I'll need maybe same as I told you, maybe 15, 20 minutes. 
we probably talked for about 45 and then he and then i and he was like hey you used to be the uh the afternoon guy at sea fox eh? and the and i was like yeah and i did the uh the indie music director as well oh no way we sat around probably four hours after the interview just pl- i was like dude you gotta hear this band and they play this band i kept playing them tune after tune and just drinking beers and it was awesome yeah he's a, he's a yeah no he's he- He's, he's, he's a cool guy. He's yeah, a big, big music fan. So, yeah. You know, and, and to be up there with those guys, and, you know, you know, I'm sitting having dinner, and, you know, Coach Green's across from me, and Elliot Friedman's beside me. So, yeah. you know, you get to know those guys, and they're, they're nice cats. Yeah, totally. That's very cool. Did you get into comic books as a kid? Are you enjoying all the superhero movies that are that are coming out lately? No, I, mean, I, I, I got to admit, I, I, I didn't. You know, like when I was a kid, I kind of... I, I'm, I'm into humor a lot more. So I, I, I used to read the old National Lampoon magazine, listen to Steve Martin records, and that was kind of I was that's kind of the direction I took. Yeah, and the Cheech and Chong for some reason uh, was big back in the day, and same for the uh, remember the Bob and Doug uh, McKenzie album. Oh, absolutely! Like so, <laughs> so good, man. So good. Yeah. Um, well, let me just stay real quick on the comic book angle. I just wanted to. I generally ask all of my guests this. If you could have a superpower, which power would you want to have? Um, the power that my guitar would always stay in tune. What I do is, at this point, is I have a band on Vancouver Island, another band in Ottawa, so when I fly out, I work with those guys. Oh, wow. I have a band in, band in Holland, and in fact, I've actually got some cats in, in the prairies now. So, you know, I, I fly around and have different bands, but okay. the one drummer in Ottawa actually asked me one day, he said, do you have, do you have perfect pitch? Which as a musician, it, it's kind of a rare thing. You have to kind of be kind of born with it. Right. And I said, no. And he goes, no, I think you do. He says, because whenever you imitate someone or you talk about a song, you always sing it in key. <laughs> but for some reason, I can't keep my guitar in tune, but I think <laughs> it's I, I, I thrash it. That's, I thrash it too that's much. That's the power, yeah. Do you believe aliens have visited Earth? Wow. Um... Well, I, I'm the, I, I agree with Michael Bolton in the, in the fact that I, I believe in ghosts, mm. but um, okay. <laughs> that's a long story. Mm. Um, <laughs> aliens, wow, why not? Sure. Yeah, I think so. I, I think so, I think so. I think there's been enough weird stuff that, yeah. Yeah, totally. Your thoughts on um, legalized marijuana? Well, you know what? It's, it's a funny thing. Are we allowed to swear? Yeah, fire away. Okay, so I was doing a show back in November out in uh, Winnipeg. I was opening for the Downshaw Blues Band, and their, their special guest was Colin James. Cool. And so I was backstage talking to Colin, and we are just talking about flying from the West Coast to the prairies in the middle of winter and how dry it is and how difficult it is for a singer. You know, it just dries your throat out. So I'm backstage, and I, I probably drank about five or six you know, bottles of water. And I called and said, oh, yeah, man. He said, I, I, I did a, a one-nighter last year. I had to fly out to Alberta, and I lost my voice. It was so embarrassing. And I said, well, I'm lucky because I've, I've never smoked pot. I've never smoked cigarettes, so it's a little easier for me. Mm. And he looked at me and said, you've never smoked pot? I said, no. And he said, why not? And I said, well, I just never thought it was my thing. And he said, well, how do you know it's your thing if you've never tried it? <laughs> right. And I said, well, so, and I said, so far no one's bones me up the ass, but I'm pretty confident Right. It's not my thing. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, but, but, but that being said, I, I have a lot of friends that smoke pot. In fact, some friends of mine should smoke pot and not drink. Like, you know, yeah. they, drink, they, they drink booze and they go bananas. It's, it's almost like different people. 
yeah, but they smoke pot and they're cool. Yeah. So I've always, I've always been, I've always thought it was ridiculous that that pot was illegal. Yeah, it's about time. It's about time. Yeah. yeah. Uh, David, I want to respect your time here. I got a couple more questions. Um, thank you again for for taking the time here tonight. It's an oddball question. Have you ever had a near death experience? Well, that's the reality of touring as a Canadian musician. Yeah, you know, especially in the winter time. Yeah, and so so I've 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 kind of you know in the last couple of years just decided after New Year's Eve I take like the first three weeks of January off. It's just too goddamn dangerous. Yeah, totally. so yeah. Yeah, there's there's been a few times where, where we've hit some black ice on the road, you know, some shitty van with bulk tires, you know, it's probably half our fault. Mm-hmm. But, you know, your young guys going out on the road, and all of a sudden you're, you're doing 360, so, uh, you know, up near Golden or something. <laughs> <laughs> totally. It's funny because, uh, you know, if I talk to Canadian musicians, they echo the same thing all the time. Like, oh, man, it's in, it's treacherous driving across our country in the wintertime. Like, you're literally rolling the dice. Yeah, and I've had some friends that have had some real close calls in the last few years. But I remember one about 20 years ago, um, we were trying to get up to Edmonton. And it was it was brutal, you know, like just snowstorm. And I remember, with, I think like between Hinton and, and Edmonton, and, and we're heading toward And you couldn't see anything. It was just a whiteout. Yeah. And <clears throat> there was a, a vehicle in front of us, and the keyboard player was riding shotgun. And he said, okay, just follow his taillights. I said, okay. And all of a sudden, the taillights... Did a 360. <laughs> don't follow that, though. That's what he said. Yeah, he goes, don't follow the taillights. Don't follow the taillights. So, yeah, that's, that's kind of kind of the closest, I think. Yeah, know? yeah. Um, this is a tough one. Can you nail it down to one career highlight? Is that possible? It's kind of tough. I mean, I, I've been really fortunate. Um, you know, I, I, I've, I've opened up for so many of my musical heroes, especially blues people, mm-hmm. and quite often... In those situations, well, not quite often, but sometimes in in those situations, got to sit in with them. So, I've sat in with um, Albert Collins, Johnny Winter, and BB King. So probably, you know, Johnny was always a hero. But I'd have to say to get you know to be standing on stage and, and trading guitar like the BB King. That's probably got to be it. And like, what's that? What's that like? <laughs> like well, I was, over there's BB King playing with you. Really, I was. 21 or 22 at the time so it was even more surreal you know yeah. but the fact the fact that he was a really super nice guy made it so much easier i bet you know if it, 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 so he he was just encouraging in fact i was kind of playing quietly because i was trying to be respectful and he, he kind of cocked his hand behind his ear and said like i can't hear you and the bass player looked at me and goes turn it up right like encouraging let's go yeah so I turned the amp up, and uh, and there I was. So it was, but it was weird. It was over in Switzerland. Oh yeah. So you know, I was walking on sunshine. You know, like, wow! I just played with BB King. So I went down to an after hours jam and mm-hmm. played a bunch more, and actually played with BB's band. Just kind of fronted the band. I did that, but by the time I got back to my hotel room, I just couldn't sleep. And yeah, there's no sleep that night. No, and no. I, I kind of looked at the clock, and I tried to phone some people back in Canada. You know, back then it was a little more difficult. You had to phone through the hotel and everything. Mm-hmm. But I just, I, I couldn't sleep. I went, wow, holy shit, I just, I just played on stage with BB King. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. That's pretty awesome. David, thank you uh, for taking the time again here tonight, and uh, good luck in these next few months, man. If there's anything I can do to help as far as, like, you know, sharing things or whatever, just tag me, and I will share every time you tag me, man. 
Thank you. Yeah, I will because yeah, the 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 the, the live stream I did the other night was successful, but we might have to do another one in a yeah, couple weeks. Yeah, I think weeks. you got to do it again. I mean, there's going to be yeah. a lot of people. There's probably be you know there'll be duplicates of people, but there'll be some people that weren't able to make the last one, and I think you could probably pull it off a few times in the next few months. Yeah, and that was an acoustic show. So maybe I'll try to get the band together for the next one. To yeah. Yeah, right on. Okay, well, uh, your Twitter page is at David Gogo Blues. Your Instagram page is Gogo Guitar. And uh, are you just David Gogo on Facebook? I didn't actually check that out. Well, I've got it. My, my, actually, my Facebook page is kind of my jam, but it's a David Gogo music page. So um, I've got 10,690 people, I think, has last wow. count. Wow. So that's, yeah, it, you know, it's, it's, it's the demographic. Demographic, that's not a word. Demographic that I lean towards. <laughs> yeah. um, and that's kind of my jam. And I do all my social media myself. So that's kind of fun. I, I think that's why people like following because they realize it's not, you know, just some hard gun or something or, you know, and, and, and I, I do each one individually. I don't just tag all the other social yeah, media. You got to do it individually, man. Otherwise, what's the point? If you're going to just don't, tag don't something you agree? on. It makes no sense. If you're going to tag something on Instagram, but then also put it on your Twitter page, it's the same content. Like it, at it, least it, change up the context to it. If you're going to do it that way. And it pisses me off. If I'm to. on Twitter and I'm trying to read someone's story and all of a sudden it just goes, you know, like right. you got to click on Instagram. Well, I'm not on Instagram. Right. I'm not there. I'm on Twitter. Yeah. No, that needs to be that way. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an instructor at the BC, uh, the BCIT radio arts and entertainment program. Mm-hmm. And I preach that, like you need to change that shit up. Otherwise, they won't follow. Why would they follow every one of your your platforms? There's no and need. It, to. And, it, and it's and it's bullshit because they, they don't they don't get the photographs and they don't get this they don't get that. Right. So yeah, yeah. but that um, yeah, my strongest one is the Facebook music page, and you know, okay. that makes me seem like an old fart, but I am. Where are you most active? Do you think? All of them. All of them, really? Oh, good for you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's the tricky thing, man. Is uh, finding the time to jump on all of them, but. Set some time aside, man. It's huge for your fans and your followers. They love that shit. Well, I think you have to do it, and, and there's no doubt that it's really helped my career in the last few years. Yeah. Um, not only getting new fans, but you know, getting gigs, putting bumps in seats, uh, just just everything. I mean, I, I think the proof was in the pudding the other day when I when I did my live stream. There's only like 48 hours notice, right? And 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 I I pumped it hard, and I you know I did some some videos which I usually don't do. And it, it obviously worked. Yeah. Yeah. No, it works, man. Big time. All yeah. right, David, we'll have a, have a great uh, rest of your night. And uh, thanks again. I guess we'll see you online. The Toddcast Podcast on ToddHancock.ca.